I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. How can you build an organization if you don't take into account the community within which you operate and the families of the people who work for you or the families of the people who buy from you? You know, it's a much more complicated world. And a simplistic approach doesn't work as well as a more thoughtful and holistic approach, which takes into account your role in the community, your role in society, in addition to the innovative products you develop and the prices of those products. Hey, Scott, how are you? Hey, Peter, how are you? Thanks for having me. No, no, no worries. Um, so I think probably a great place to start is um, a little bit about you and your background. So when I was looking at your experience, which is amazing, um, I'm intrigued as to kind of some of the key lessons and elements or societal movements, which with the benefit of hindsight, um, have formed your own beliefs and motivations surrounding the work that you do today. Well, great question. Thank you so much for having me. So I started my career in Sweden, uh, originally from Canada, but without getting into too much background, I ended up in Stockholm, Sweden. And uh, so when we started Strawberry Frog, we have our, we created a purpose called Creativity for Good. So it's basically the idea is we provide creative solutions to drive positive results. And those, re- those positive results can be, you know, for our clients and also in society. So everything we do, we kind of have that lens, which is really the perfect purpose for an organization that helps, you know, counsel companies uh, to define and activate a purpose. Especially in today's world, I when I deal with clients, I typically go in and say, there's too many strategies and we need to um, simplify so that everybody in the organization knows what's going on. Cause you know, these days you've got a, you got a strategy for COVID, you have a strategy for CSR, you have a strategy for brand and a strategy for purpose and a strategy for this and that and the other thing. So purpose really allows you to almost supersede every other strategy. If you put purpose at the core of the business, you can actually um, simplify a lot and create a differentiated value map for the organization. And that's kind of where we focus now is helping companies Yes, drive positive change, but to be honest, really simplify their way of, of um, you know, thinking of the problems they have and, sol- and what they're going to do to solve those problems. Not just societal problems, but business problems as well. That's the key thing. You know, whatever we do, we have to help 
clients understand that, you know, this is a business strategy. It's not a strategy to help the world become a better place. Yes, that is important and is what motivates me personally. But when we go to these clients, they're not paying to make the world a better place. They're paying because they want to grow their business. Yeah, exactly. But, or, re, or reinvent it. But that's from a business perspective. Like, is, is there anything, is there a specific like change point in your life that kind of drove you towards wanting to make the world a better place? Or like, because for my, the reason for my purpose is um, I had a really difficult time with mental health and I was kind of really ill coming out of the other, other side of that like horrible period of darkness. Like I kind of saw this kind of moment of light that we can go through a lot of change and then the pandemic hit. Did you have any of that particular moment in your own life that you, that's driven um, you to kind of pursue a purposeful path? You know, um, I was having a conversation with uh, a gentleman named Ranjay Gulati, who's a professor at Harvard. And um, the conversation was around uh, CEOs that have been through some personal issues. There was one particular CEO that was being interviewed who started a company called Livongo, which is a diabetes compliance platform, which he sold for $4 billion last year. Yeah. And he, and I asked him, I said, you know, do you think that personal experience is really important for leaders when they define and activate their purpose? And he, he said, Oh, I'm not sure, but for my own personal situation, he, he started the company really to help his son who's a diabetic and he didn't envision it becoming a $4 billion business. He did it to help his son. So to your point, a lot of people, a lot of leaders do, you know, either forge ahead and design a company or remake a company based on personal experience. Uh, I guess for me personally, I, uh, I was the child of a, uh, uh, of a World War II uh, Air Force, a Canadian Air Force member who was in Europe during the war and experienced a lot of horrible, just horrible things. And I grew up, you know, him telling me the stories of, of that. Um, and I guess growing up in Canada and hearing those stories, and I just felt the need to stand for equality and take a stand for, I would describe it as, um, as a humane approach to living life. That has really colored my perspective on what I do ever since. Um, I think Canada is a little bit like, uh, I wouldn't describe it as the conscience of the world, but Canadians have a strong understanding of what goes on in the world, mm-hmm. not just in their own country, but you know, because Canada is a relatively small country, not geographically, of course, but population, we always like to compare ourselves with the UK and the US and France and other countries. And as we look beyond the Canadian borders, we, we see a lot of positive things and we see a lot of uh, negative. And I think it shapes the way we engage with the world. And it certainly shaped me. So with that perspective, when I, when I went to, um, to Sweden in the 1980s, uh, I was quite inspired by the Swedish mindset, which was very similar to the Canadian one, which was companies need to act in conjunction with the interests of the community as opposed to being outside of it. And uh, that really helped shape my perspective. I was able in Sweden to really combine that personal point of view with business sense. My first client I worked with was uh, Bjorn Borg, who was um, at the time, you know, a very 
successful tennis player launching a fashion line and um, kind of under my feet certainly wasn't my doing the the mood of the Scandinavian citizens basically changed overnight and there was a real push for progressive um, behaviors and habits from large companies uh, that were you know being pushed by by people in society they wanted you know it started with um having less packaging uh, around products. And then it moved to things like having women, more women represented on company boards and, and so forth. And it was quite an interesting uh, experience to, to see how, you know, society was changing around their interaction with large organizations. And so back in those days, like late 80s, early 90s in the Nordics, you started to see, companies looking for purpose strategies. I wouldn't use the word purpose strategies because that wasn't really what we called it back then, but in in effect, that's what it was. You know, it was a strategy to help the organization drive some form of positive change and connect it somehow to the business strategy. And also, you know, it kind of rippled into marketing and innovation and how they engaged with their own employees and so forth. And it was a real wake-up call for me. And it was highly effective in engaging, you know, employees and uh, customers and, and consumers in the Nordics. And also, when I say the Nordics, I also mean Northern uh, Europe, like Germany um, and the Netherlands. Not so much south of those countries, but in the northern part of Europe. And then, you know, I, we won the Ericsson mobile phone account, which at the time was the world's leader in mobile phones. And we started launching that globally. And even though we had a strategy that, you know, loosely could be called a purpose, as we moved out of Scandinavia and started to, you know, work on marketing strategies for Ericsson, we realized that purpose had no meaning outside of Scandinavia. (laughs) So as we launched it in parts of Europe, in, of course, Asia, Brazil, and of course, even in the United States, people were like, what are you talking about? What is this? purpose thing you're going on about and it's too complicated and most people thought it was too theoretical so my own thinking at the time was you know how can we motivate people to be part of something bigger than simply selling you know products and services and that's when I came up with this thought about say borrowing the principles of societal movements so once you had a a purpose and a stand you know activating it within your organization and also among consumers made a lot of sense if we just, you know, appropriated the kind of framework of a movement, because, you know, if you sat down in Poland or Thailand or Brazil or Mexico and you said, Hey, you should have a purpose strategy for your company. People looked at you like you were from another planet. But when you talked about a strategy that engaged and galvanized people within the organization, and of course, among citizens and consumers, they perked up and they were interested because it was a a different engagement strategy, let's put it that way. So that was really the introduction of movement thinking and my own sort of uh, foray into this area. 
it's true like kind of when you're able to engage people in respect to how movements can empower people and galvanize people towards a central central mission and belief then real change can take place and that's the exciting part about you know like reading up on the work that you do and like looking at some of the the more detailed work that you've delivered like that brings me a little bit more into the the, de- the day-to-day of strawberry frog so you know i know that you were founded um in amsterdam right and but you're now based over in in nyc how do you believe you go about activating a brand's purpose and maybe um, talk a little bit more about the, the change in, in, in the world that we live in now post pandemic? Uh, well, you know, the real shift happened with the advent of social media. You know, we moved really into this peer to peer world and peer to peer is such a powerful behavioral change mechanism. You know, if you look at, for example, um, the way we adopted the habit of wearing masks. It was such a powerful shift, probably the largest single behavior shift in, in humanity, you know, in such a short period of time, mostly because of peer pressure. You know, if you walked into a store, you weren't wearing a mask, people looked at you like, what? And so you changed your behavior. That That's just a, just a simple example of the power of, of peer pressure. And in this type of environment, where you know people are getting their cues from other consumers or even within organizations, you know employees are getting their their cues from social media that other people in the company are participating in, as opposed to you know messages from the C-suite. The whole paradigm is shifted. Think yes. about you know when you were a kid, how the influence of editors of magazines like The Face or magazines like the Economist, or in this country, um, newspapers like the New York Times, how they were, you know, or Vogue magazine, if you were into fashion, yeah. how the editors defined everything that we did. Today, it's, you know, it's not the editor of Vogue, it's a million individuals in Instagram that are defining the culture of fashion. So in this new world, you need a completely different engagement strategy, a different engagement framework. The old traditional um, way of engaging your employees or the way that you historically have tried to engage consumers doesn't work anymore. So it's time that we shifted focus from brand to purpose. And, you know, in a world full of problems, each one of those represents an opportunity for a company. You know, why focus ideas the world doesn't need when there's good business in solving real issues. Um, and purpose, you know, is one idea that a lot of people are talking about, I'm sure in the UK and uh, here in the United States and, and other countries, you know, not only does it ensure all stakeholders are on the same page and help retain employees during this big resignation, but it also attracts new consumers and customers and it's great for your bottom line. There was a recent report from Ernst & Young that showed that purpose-based companies outperformed the market by 42%. Yeah, so, you know, it's a, it's a powerful new uh, tool to change your organization and grow your business. But there's a huge problem, you know, today, which is one we've observed over and over again, which is companies are good at defining higher purpose, but they're terrible at activating it, which is why Chip Walker and I wrote this book, Activate Brand Purpose, which really helps leaders activate purpose. And, you know, I'm sure, Peter, you've come across, there are many books out there that talk about, you know, how to define a purpose or how important purpose is, but none really focuses on the most challenging part of purpose, which is, how, what do you do? Yeah, well, What do you do, do with it once you have it? Yeah. 
How do you actually activate it to engage your people? And when I say your people, I mean people inside your company and also people outside. How do you avoid decay of that purpose over time? Those are really the big key issues that we try to address in the book and what we've proven is an actual effective way of of building an organization. And we've worked, you know, as you mentioned, we started in Amsterdam and we ended up opening offices in Dubai and Mumbai and Singapore and and in um, Sao Paulo, Brazil, as well as here in New York City at the Empire State Building. And, you know, all the companies that we've worked with, you know, here in the U.S., we, we started working with Google. Um, in Dubai, we did the whole global strategy for Emirates. In India, we did the strategy for one of the most powerful companies called Mahindra. And in each example, we helped define the purpose and then activated it with a a movement idea, first inside the company to engage and galvanize their employees, and then externally with their consumers and prospects. Yeah, I think it's it's so interesting. And like, uh, I read the book the other day, and it's one of the, it's true, when you pick up numerous books on purpose, there's a lot talking about purpose, but it, you mentioned the topic in there about like purpose washing and or what, mm. like woke washing. And I totally resonate with that because what, what I see at the moment is there's a lot of people attempting to do good, but they're, they're not doing enough. They're, they don't, they're not really speaking about what they really represent and believe in. They're just kind of looking at it as almost like a new margin opportunity. Um, but I believe um, in respect to why I started Purpose Made, like I'm trying to change the world for the better. Like I, right. I believe that we, we have an opportunity in, in our generation and to fix the world's most pressing problems we face, but it can't just be done by simply talking about it. We've got to jump on board and engage with people and motivate people to change and motivate actions to take place and you know we're shifting very much from like a selling to consumers to engaging with them as you wrote in the book and like when you started talking about Milton Freeman I was like yeah this is totally true because we're in a world where we're all stakeholders right and everybody has a a buy-in and an opinion and we're in a world whereby there's so much change taking place that it's about trying to galvanize people towards goals and motivations that are going to create true impact and but yeah it's ultimately people have been told by the consumers what they have to do and why and and nobody's really given people the opportunity to kind of sit back and and rest on their laurels like we're in quite you talk about a a VUCA world and and we are like it's very volatile it's uncertain and it's a positive world there's so much that we can do and take place and move and move forward that that's why movements are so key because the ability to activate a, a brand's purpose is central so but yeah, like the Erexo and the um, the United Way work was just stunning. So yeah. if you want to kind of talk about what was the reasons behind those movements and how it actually was able to activate such a such a following. You know, the old days where, you know, you had a brand and then you created a an ad and you put it on television, it was very, you know, cheeky and funny and provocative and you know those days are kind of a bit over because the world is just full of content. You know, there's tons of funny, cheeky videos on Instagram and, and on TikTok and all these things. So, you know, the, um, the way of differentiation doesn't really pass through the doorway of brand anymore. I think we're really looking for organizations with a point of view on their role in society. And whether you're an employee of a company, you know, people are sitting there today and this is the great resignation. And they're saying, do I want to stay in this company? This company feels like it's the best years we're behind it. I don't know. I don't feel good. And yeah, I'm making, making a salary and, 
but there's a lot of stress coming out of this COVID thing. There's uncertainty. And I don't know if I want to stay in this company. What, what else can you talk about with your employees other than our brand? Our brand is so great. We're number one. People are looking, wait, now what's going on? Um, I think, you know, more than job security, people want to be part of an organization that stands for the same values that they do, stands for something that they believe in. And the same is true for, for consumers. You know, a brand kind of feels a bit outdated. A brand feels one-dimensional. Yeah. You know, people are looking for what do you believe in? What are you standing for? How can you make my life a little bit better in addition to making a great product? To me, that's really the, you know, the core difference uh, from the past. In the case of Arexo, you know, we follow the same logic. Arexo is a, uh, is a Swedish-based pharmaceutical company that entered the United States with a medically-assisted treatment, a better medically-assisted treatment to help opioid addicts get themselves off of, of that um, horrible d- addiction. And for those, I mean, it's quite complicated, but basically if you're addicted to opioids, you take this medicine and it actually supposedly uh, reduces your dependence on the opioid. There is a very large competitor in the United States called Suboxo, which, which has like 85 or more percent of the market. So the Swedish company coming into the United States needed to find a different strategy but they could use to engage all different types of stakeholders. And at the time, just a couple of years ago, nobody wanted to talk about the op- opioid uh, epidemic in America. The yeah. doctors didn't want to talk about it. The pharmaceutical companies didn't want to talk about it. The families whose, whose family members were addicted didn't want to talk about it because they were receiving a lot of, you know, being stigma was placed on people with yeah. uh, drug addiction. So we decided that it would be a great strategy for Arexo to really champion this public health issue, to really come in and say, hey, accidental opioid addiction is a real issue in this country. And accidental opioid addiction is not the same as lifestyle choice. This is about, you know, a 16-year-old Johnny who hurt himself playing football, goes to the doctor and the doctor prescribes Percocet. And 25% of all patients who receive their first uh, opioid painkiller become chemically addicted to that drug. So that was fueling this massive epidemic. And we're talking about, you know, an aircraft like a 747 falling out of the sky every month of people dying as a result of this. So we we decided with Arexo to, without the monster, which was a movement against accidental opioid addiction, to really kind of break open the whole market and use this entry into the market as an opportunity to really bring the whole issue to, to the front and have a, you know, a conversation about it. And we got a lot of articles written about it, and it really fueled the rise of Arexo in, uh, in the United States, both within the medical community as well as in you know, among people who had family members that were addicted to the drug. So it drove the positive change in the United States as well as driving growth for the company. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, exactly. And and I think what's what's taking place with respect to movements is you summed it up really nicely and people don't buy from what you do. They they buy why you do it. So that's crucial in respect to building movements because if you kind of look at I was reading a paper not too long ago by Brian Tan and he who's from Stanford Graduate Business School and he he found that 64% of global consumers believe that CEOs should take the lead on change rather than wait for government to impose it and also 56% said that they had no respect for CEOs that remain silent on these bigger issues it's mm. about actually looking at the issues such as opioid addiction that is taking place and rather than re- remaining silent on it like taking action you know driving a brand's purpose to activate change and seeing positive outcomes on the basis of it. Like I've always talked to clients about how I view purpose and I view purpose like very much as, as the heart of an organization, a soul, a belief, like why you very, why, why you really exist. There's so much um, like turbulence and issue and injustice that's taking place that we can't simply just stand by and do nothing. And um, we, the, you know, the, the way of like, that I gave the Mad Men analogy the other day to say that, you know, like that whole way of sales and it being a one-off service and then you can move on to your next client and that's it. It's just nonsense. We you kind of have that kind of continued um, live service, open relationship with your client. So you, you can make sure that the work that you're putting out there is is real, is provides actual value to, to the consumers that are, um, are behind your product and brand. Like brand at the end of the day is your reputation. Yeah, I think... Um... Purpose equals financial performance. You're not exclusive of good operational practice, right? A lot of people have criticized, for example, the CEO of Danone as being too focused on purpose and as a result hasn't driven growth. And he was subsequently released from the company. They point to that as an example of a company that 
focused on purpose and didn't drive financial performance. That was less about purpose and more about his operational uh, focus. I think there are many examples of companies that have driven positive financial growth um, and focused on driving purpose in the organization. Purpose drives success for the organization. You know, we're not talking about sort of a high, you know, highly um, aspirational idea. Let's make the world a better place. Let's hold our hands in Kumbaya and, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully drive some form of positive change. This is about capitalism. This is about competitive advantage for companies. This is about being relevant in a world that is constantly challenging companies and leaders to be proved that they're relevant. Uh, otherwise, someone is going to come along and disrupt you and take over your market share. So it is about survival. It is about growth. It is about thriving. It is, it is not some you know, aspirational idea that would be a nice to have. This is about competitive advantage. And you know, we've proven it time and again. Like I said, we did this strategy for Emirates. It propelled them from being a regional Arab airline based in Dubai to being the world's leader. All right. This is about large companies taking a page out of disruptive challenger brands and using purpose to help them drive not only a modern, relevant image, but also relevant innovations, new types of products that companies have here to which not provided. So it's about driving innovation inside the company. It's about new ways to engage your people and ways that they can engage each other. It's about how the top of the organization can engage the bottom of the organization. It's about how the, you know, you can get close to your customer and understand the customer more by understanding what's important in their lives. How can you build an organization if you don't take into account the community within which you operate and the families of the people who work for you or the families of the people who buy from you? You know, it's a much more complicated world and a simplistic approach doesn't work as well as a more thoughtful and holistic approach, which takes into account your role in the community, your role in society, in addition to the innovative products you develop and the prices of those products. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't come up with a competitive price, don't come up with a competitive product. Of course you need that. But in addition to that, and all things being equal, if you're in a market competing, let's say, with a car, with a vehicle, an automobile, and you're one of, I don't know, 20 vehicles that are all competing for price and convenience, what else do you have in your arsenal to compete? And I say compete for talent, compete for customer. This is all about improving people's willingness to work for your company and improving people's willingness to buy from your company. That's where purpose comes in. Purpose comes in in that space. Yeah, exactly. And and it's not like a new thing either, because like there was a book that was written quite a while ago by Victor E. Frankel that talked about man searching for meaning. Like that was a great book because if you kind of talk about that was back in the forties, I think. Um, but if you kind of look at that book, it was about his own journey and it's about like the philosophies behind purpose. It's it isn't it's not this like kumbaya airy fairy thing. It's the very crux of an organization and it's 
the the challenge of any industry, any company that has a, a purpose driven company at this point in time is not only the challenge of activating brand brand purpose, but the translation of of the key central crux of why purpose is so key. It's not like a new CSR exercise. It's it is the heart of your organization. So when you created the purpose power index, that was a great piece of work because it it shows that actually there's this new metrics and that we can actually assess businesses on that's above simply profitability. Yeah, the Purpose Power Index, which you can find at purposepowerindex.com, is the world's first empirical study of purpose-based companies and purpose-based brands. Uh, We did our first study in 2019, just literally as the pandemic was unfolding or, you know, starting in China, and then it kind of rolled into, you know, the West in the beginning of 2020. We we were fielding our first study for um, for this index, and then we completed a second year in 2021. We're going to do a new one in 2022. It was absolutely clear that consumers value purpose. You know, they could identify companies that had a purpose. They rewarded companies that had a purpose. We have augmented the study, also looking at employees in addition to customers and clients. So, to your point. You know, this is not uh, nice to have. This is scientifically supported and proven that purpose-based strategies do fall well into, you know, the consumer demand for uh, today. Like I said, convenience and price will always be, you know, a trigger to purchase. But in addition to that, what else are people looking for from a company? Purpose was the first strategy that Truist developed uh, in the leadership team. With Truist is the sixth largest bank in the United States. It was a merger between BB&T and SunTrust. They came together recently, and the first thing that was done was develop a purpose. Then the pandemic hit, and they had a purpose which was inspiring and building better lives and communities. When the pandemic came into the United States, the first thing that they did was to develop a program to help people in the communities. They were the first financial institution to move as quickly as they did into, into the markets that they operate, into the communities that they work. I mean, think about that. This is a new financial institution going through conversion in a merger, and yet they're able to move at, at incredible speed to set up a community program to engage and help their customers and employees. To me, it's kind of like... Um, you're on a sailboat and a purpose almost acts as your rudder during a, you know, high waves and strong winds. And during crisis, it helps you really navigate and helps you lead a complex organization through very complicated times. Yeah, exactly. And and the pandemic has been this kind of seismic shift for everybody because we've all had this kind of period of not only were we locked locked in through periods of lockdown, it's affected us in a variety of different ways. We've all experienced suffering. A lot of us, our, our family included, like lost some lost some family members. And if you kind of look at the broad aims of like going forward as we as we move forward and hopefully come out of the pandemic, it's purpose, I believe, and the whole deeper meaning behind purpose is probably driven from a period of crisis and um, there's no bigger crisis than, than what we've just experienced. And I think where we end up going from here, it's, it, it's clearly 
put it central into people's equations. And I think it's it's now at the forefront of CEOs' minds. It's just a case of how do we activate purpose in a way that is going to help our brand and our communities that we serve? Because I think I was reading a report not too long ago called the Elderman Trust Barometer, and they talk about trust, like the pandemic put trust to the test, and like governments and media have had the biggest negative in- impact. But it's a very unique opportunity that's been provided by the pandemic in respect to we have a new opportunity to change an economic model, to change the way of living, to, to address the, the larger issues. And now it's a case of not not necessarily ignoring them. It's a case of how do we do it? And in respect to your experience, like what's the key movements that um, Strawberry Frog are looking to make in the coming years? And and what do you believe that the challenges that are await us? Well, so capitalism has been one of the most successful economic systems that ever existed. You know, many people have risen out of poverty and been able to feed themselves and live, you know, and thrived in our world. At the same time, capitalism has also been responsible for a lot of the destruction that we've seen in, in, in the environment and in many other areas. Um, I think we need to catalyze some form of systemic change in order to build capitalism that works for everyone. And uh, there's actually a great book by a professor from Harvard called uh, Rebecca Henderson called Reimagining Capitalism that touches on this. And I think the key thing today is really for leaders of companies to think just about the role that their organization plays. And it's not enough to just have a purpose and have it hanging in your building, which I call toothless purpose. Yeah. You need to activate it to to actually be make it culture inside the organization and also with your with your customers. And then you need to action it so that people can see how you're actually delivering your purpose. Because companies today talk about purpose. A lot of people, leaders talk about purpose. And the consumer and the employee sit there and they wait for the company to not do anything. Which is one of the reasons we developed something called the purpose gap which is a tool to measure how well a purpose has galvanized the employees inside an organization from the moment it was rapturously launched by the leadership team and then 18 months out, how is it being used by the frontline staff? Um, And the gap between the launch and 18 months later is something called the purpose gap. And we we use that to measure how well a purpose has been activated. And there's a recent article in the Harvard Business Review about a company in India called Mahindra, which I mentioned earlier. Yeah. It's a great case study of how you put purpose at the core of your business to grow your company, transform your company, and at the same time, drive positive change. That is really, in my opinion, how you, how you value map your organization and make it more uh, competitive in today's world. and But the key crux of, of the situation is how do you move from talking about purpose to actually using it as a core strategy for uh, transformation, change, as well as growth? Yeah, exactly. And I, th- I think that's a great way to finish. And thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome. This was great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Made podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Purpose Made wherever you normally get your podcasts to hear the latest news and views.
You can also find and follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. Or contact Peter directly to connect, inquire about Purpose Made or request to be featured on the podcast. We look forward to welcoming you back soon for another episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.